In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. It is February of 2009, and we are looking for a place to worship and celebrate Easter and uh, for Jesus the Good Shepherd. Uh, we had just been gathering some people into living rooms and uh, starting Lent, and we needed a place that we could advertise as a public place for worship. We had gathered about $2,000 in tithes, and thanks be to God, we've never dipped below that in the church's savings account. Aunt Sandra, who was off work at that time, and I got into the car, and we started to make a grid pattern across Henderson and East Las Vegas, looking for a suitable place to rent. We looked for storefronts, we looked for warehouse space, uh, we looked for converted homes. We drove all over town and called dozens of lease land agents. And over several weeks, it became clear that uh, we were going to need some place a lot more expensive than what we were prepared to pay. The city of Henderson was requiring we have at least two bathrooms. And uh, when we saw the condition of many of the spaces, we saw the money that we were going to have to put into them to make them suitable for public worship. And we quickly realized that that, that beautiful, permanent, lovely space that we had in our minds uh, wasn't what we were ready for. The Lord was disciplining us. He was showing us where it was that we needed to start. And very soon after we started to realize that, we found a banquet room at the Hampton Inn here on Warm Springs, and it became a very suitable place for us to meet, very affordable, and a place where we could grow and we could start to practice fellowship and practice worshiping and practice getting together. And uh, we got to practice the financial piece of counting the money every week and making those deposits, all that hard work that goes on behind the scenes for any church. And so the Lord disciplined us week in and week out uh, before we were able to move. And indeed, I think the Lord is still doing that. I think he's still disciplining us and showing us how to use this space to the fullest of our abilities to do everything that we can to make this place right before we move on to the next. And it's my conviction that in years to come, we'll look back on our time on Cassia Way as a continuation of our wilderness wandering as Jesus the Good Shepherd. This is what the people of God had been doing here as Moses stands on this mount in Deuteronomy. He has overlooked the uh, promised land. The Lord has allowed him to look in. And the Lord says, I've gathered you and I've gathered my people and you're not going to be allowed to go in. You're not going to be able to enter into the promised land, but you're to continue to get my people ready to dwell there. And so Moses in his faithfulness teaches the people how it is that they're supposed to live in the land of promise. He shows them that to live there, we have to keep his commandments. That this is the necessary requirement of living in the promised land. Those who receive the promises of God have to live according to his will. And Moses clearly sets out that while they're learning to do that, he will discipline them. Yay! We get to be disciplined. Isn't this the response that we have when we hear that we'll be disciplined? Don't we all smile and say, yes! I get to be disciplined by my Father in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? He'll show me how it is that I'm supposed to live. And yet this is a promise from God, and it's a good promise. 
that he will teach them how it is that they're supposed to conform to his will and how it is that they're supposed to live uh, their daily lives. And his promise is then, if they will allow discipline, if they will uh, seek his discipline and see it as a reward from him, and they will commit to living in his commandments, that they will live in the promised land for forever. Forever. That's the promise. You'll live in my land forever. And it would be easy for some to look at that and say, well, that's a very small piece of geography. Are all the people of God supposed to be moving into that place? I mean, should we all be buying plane tickets, right? Or did the, the Lord not keep his promise because uh, the Jews were cast out? Was he unfaithful in that? And Jesus clarifies this, te this teaching by teaching us what it means, what the promise means to dwell with God forever in his promised land. Jesus is sitting in the upper room in Jerusalem. He's just finished washing the apostles' feet. He's given them the Last Supper. He's taught them Holy Communion. He's now laying out for them instructions as to how it is that they too can live in the promised land. Do you see how he washed them the way the people of Israel were washed in the Red Sea? Do you see how he fed them manna the way that the people of Israel were fed? And now before they cross over from death into life, he's going to teach them how it is that they're going to uh, live in God forever, how they're going to abide in him. And so this is what Jesus does. He says, you're going to abide in my father in paradise forever when you abide in me. And so he uses this language again of dwelling and abiding. The same language we read about the people of Israel moving into the promised land, that they would dwell and abide there. Jesus is saying, yes, you're going to dwell and abide in the land of promise, which is my father. And he draws a figure eight. Jesus says, the father is in the son as the son is in the believer. And the believer is in the son as the Son is in the Father. He says, the Father is in the Son because the Son has been obedient. The Son has done everything that the Father tells Him to do. And He says, you will dwell in Me if you too are obedient. If you will live in love. If you will lay down your life as I have laid down My life for you. He says, if you will live in love, you will dwell in me. And if you dwell in me, then you will dwell with me in the Father. And so he shows us how this life of love brings us into an eternal dwelling with our Father in heaven. And this point is so necessary that St. John the Evangelist, many years after he sat in that upper room with Jesus, many years after the resurrection, is sitting now in a prison cell with chains around his ankles on a small cave in an island in the Mediterranean. And he is drilling down upon this point of what is required for us to abide in the Father. St. John the Evangelist says this is none of it new. He always goes back to the beginning. Have you noticed that? St. John the Evangelist says, in the beginning. What does he say? In the beginning, Cain dwelled in evil against his brother and so chose death. So he's saying, from the beginning, we've had two choices. 
Here's the two choices. We can hate our brother, and that's death. We'll destroy ourselves, and we'll eat ourselves alive. That's a choice. Or we can love our brother and live in life. So hate our brother and dwell in death and be destroyed ourselves. Or we can give up our lives for our brother and love and dwell in everlasting life. So St. John says we have a choice which is love. And when we love someone, we are freed from judgment, we're freed from hate, we're freed from criticism, and we have a desire, we have a hunger and a thirst to lay down our lives for those that we love. Not out of necessity, not because somebody told us we have to do it, but out of love. Out of a strong desire to keep the will of the Father and to love those that He has given us. And He says this love isn't talk. Right? It's not talk. St. John says, let us love not in word or talk, but let us love in deed and in truth. That means we really have to love and we have to do it in the way that we live our lives. We have to constantly be able to say, I want to lay down my life. I want to seek what's good for my brother, for my neighbor. And to do that is to keep the commandments of God. So how did they do that? Moses has been faithful for 40 years. <clears throat> He's led the people of God, even though they've been rude, they've been arrogant, they've been spiteful, they've been vindictive, they've been proud, they've been lazy. And then God says, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. How did he not throw a temper tantrum? How did Moses not stomp his feet and say, it's not fair? And not only to not do that, but to continue to minister to the people of God and to teach them to obey the commandments of God and to accept, to accept discipline. St. John had been at the cross. Peter left. All the other disciples had fled. St. John alone with the women is standing at the foot of the cross and he takes the mother of our Lord into his home. And for that, he gets put in prison. Is that fair? Is that just? And does he complain? Does he throw a fit and say, I'm not going to do it anymore? He goes right back and he teaches the people of God how we're supposed to love one another as God loved us. To lay down our life for our friends. As exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ. He's sitting in the upper room, and what's just happened? Judas just left. Judas has just walked out the door. Jesus knows what he's going to do. He knows that he's going to betray him. He knows that he's about to be arrested, and that he's about to be tortured, in the kind of torture that we can't even imagine. 
And yet he teaches love. He teaches love. How could he do that? Only by the Holy Spirit are we able to set aside that kind of injustice and that kind of, of upset and anger and malice and hatred and to allow love to dwell in our hearts and to pray the heart of God. I don't know about you, but when I sit down to pray, sometimes I, I'm, I'm angry and I'm impatient and I'm confused and I'm not sure how to pray or what to pray. But the Holy Spirit, if we allow Him, will pray through us. The Holy Spirit in us will pray all the words perfectly beyond our understanding so that our hearts and minds are united in the will of God and we are able finally to love one another as God has loved us. May the Holy Spirit pray through us this day and forevermore that we may love one another as God has loved us, laying down our life for our friends and dwelling evermore with our Father in heaven. Amen.